Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Jen. Welcome to Marginalia Pod. Where we treat reading as a sacred practice and find meaning and connection through our favourite books. I would like to begin by acknowledging the Gurringai and Darug people, traditional custodians of the land where I am recording today, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. I'd also like to acknowledge Mana Whenua of Te Awakairangi Kitai, where I'm recording today. Hello. Hello. It's coffee time. Just, and tea time. It is. And delicious Dr. Pepper time. I'm just going to come out straight out of the gate and say if you hear any bells ringing on the podcast, I apologize. I'm solo parenting my housemate's three cats this weekend and the kittens are running around and they've got collars on now. So there's bells ringing. I love this. I am also solo parenting only today, though. And we might have children coming in screaming about being sore losers or sore winners. This has been an ongoing thing for the last couple of days. So apologies oh, in advance. Apparently the game <laughs> Snipper Clips is really uh, divisive in my household. Mm, okay, good to know. But also how cute is it that my kids fight about like Snipper Clips? And that's like the worst of their relationship is arguing about you're a sore winner. Well, you're a sore loser. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> we're agile we'll deal with it exactly um what sparked joy for you this week well last night i went to a gig with my friend hannah we Yay. i did not know the band at all um she just had a spare ticket because her friend couldn't go anymore so you know me i'm always up for a gig it's yeah. a japanese punk band Ooh, nice. called odaboki beaver and they were so good nice. it was so fun like they were real short songs real tight performers all girl band it was really cool um really fun evening started at 8 20 was over by 9 10 so Ideal. you know perfect Ideal. That's exactly and then afterwards we, we 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 popped into a halloween night at a club where it was like all emo music and we were just there for a little bit because they played a lot of screamo which is not what i want yeah. i want more pop punk rather than the screamo end of the yeah genre did you put that thing up on stories that was like if it's autumn leaves yeah, if it's autumn and sad feelings, it's emo. And if it's summer, summer and dumb feelings, it's pop Yes, punk. yeah, yeah. That was so good. Yeah. I was like, oh, that explains so much about my music tastes from 2003. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good metric. Well, you know, I think if you're going to a Halloween party and you want to have a bit of a dance, the screamo is not the ones you want to be playing. Like, that is not the vibe. No, I mean, like, you kind of need some spooky bangers. It has made me want to put on an emo night. Like, because there's a club night here called Atomic, which runs at a bar slash music venue. And it's all like 90s Brit pop sort of stuff. Mm. And it must be popular because it runs regularly, like every month or week or whatever it is. I'm like, why isn't there an emo night? I feel like there's enough nostalgic millennials like me who would be into just having a little boogie school dance style to yeah. some emo music on yeah. a Saturday night. Girls on one side, boys on the other, nobody looking at each other in the eye. Perfect. Yeah, just having some Bacardi breezes and having a, a bit of a, a dance. So now I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna email them and see what the deal is. Like maybe I can put it on. It'll be fun. That would just be fun. see. That would be great. I love that. Um, what sparked joy for you this week? I I had a really big week. I dropped my daughter off at her first high school orientation yesterday. So I had a little cry. Felt Aww. some feelings about that. Hovered in a cafe like up the street for the three hour orientation <laughs> just so I could be on hand. In case she broke a leg or something, she was fine. It was fine. Um, but then after all of that, you know, I was sort of like feeling a bit sad. But my sister out of the blue texted and said, hey, I bought the house that we grew up in. Can I show you what we've been doing to it? And no. we did a video call for like two hours today. And she took me through all of the different rooms and what they're doing. And when we got to the room that I grew up in, I was like, hey, that's my bedroom. And she's like, no, your bedroom is the other one because she's so much younger than me. She remembered me in the bigger bedroom that I had moved into. But I spent most of my childhood in the tiny back room in the corner. Mm. And so it was really interesting when we got to another room. I was like, and this one's your bedroom. And she's like, yeah, it was my room, wasn't it? It was nice to connect. And I got to meet her puppy, Walter, who's also a golden Aww. retriever. Um, Cute. And he's very sad because he's outside. And I was like, Bella sympathizes. Bella does not like being outside. But away from her people <laughs> I just want to be where the people are yeah it was so nice to see my sister and just talk to her and it's kind of fun that my sister now lives in the house that I grew up in and she's gonna do it up and it's gonna be really nice so that's good yeah that's really cool it was so good hmm. but yeah so lots of discovery in that conversation and also this week we're reading chapters 21 through 26 through the theme of discovery Mm. Oh, my magical segue powers. Um, do you have a story in the theme of discovery for us? 
Yeah, so discovery, according to the dictionary, is the act of finding something that had not been known before, right? Or it could also be something that you did not know about before. Mm. And I was musing upon this because I often listen to my Spotify discovery playlist, which is a thing they do for you every week. Oh, yeah. And it drives me insane. So the Discover Weekly, as it's called, um, because I am very conscious of the fact that I listen to the same songs over and over again, and I want to expose myself to new music. It's something that I really enjoy doing. My musical discovery throughout my life has usually been recommendations. Like my original musical taste was formed by my parents, obviously, and then by extended family. And then when I got onto the internet by other people who liked the stuff that I liked. So mm-hmm. most of my, when I was in my emo years, I got all my music from the Fallout Boy Rocks message boards. Shout out to all the kids on there who single-handedly sustained my illegal downloads. It was a great time. I downloaded so many albums that you just didn't know who the artist was. You didn't know what the songs were. You just downloaded them, listened to them. And if you liked them, maybe you bought the CD or usually what I did is I went to the gigs or bought merch. Like that's sort of how I justified my illegal downloading. Yeah. But I also did a lot of discovery just like going on MySpace, going on Pure Volume, just listening to random bands. And like Last FM was another one, you know, when you get the recommendations down the bottom being like artists yeah. you might like. So oh. there was a lot of that, like a lot of like exploring, playing, trying to find things. And it took up a lot of time. But as I've gotten older and I also moved away from music a little bit just because I was so busy and whatever, I just listened to what I listened to. And now I'm really conscious of the fact that that sparks joy for me. I really love music and I want to get back into that discovery mindset. So I listen to my Discover Weekly. Yeah. But Spotify seems to think I'm an idiot because sometimes <laughs> what is on my Discover Weekly is things I already know about. So I'm going to mm. read you some of the songs that is on my Discover Weekly this week. All these things that I have done by The Killers. What am I, an amateur? Like, come on. I listen to The Killers regularly. They should know that I already know this song. Yeah. There's Bring Me the Horizon on here. They've got Garbage Truck by Sex Bobom from the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack on my Discover Weekly. Amazing. Yeah, the Lumineers are on here. Um, What else have I got? I'm just looking at it now. I think I'm Paranoid by Garbage. The Veronicas, like I'm not Australian. Bowling for Soup. Like, come on. Um, some mindless self-indulgence, churches. I just, if Limp Biscuit break stuff. <laughs> Curious choice. EXO <laughs> by Beyonce, Underdog by Yumi at Six. One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies on my Discover Weekly. So anyway, as if it made never me think that song. As if that song did not play on a continuous loop throughout all of. I know, <laughs> and like <laughs> there's even years. some um. Some Rooney on here, some Mumford and Sons, some Kings of Leon, the Scissor Sisters, Billy Talent, a band I've seen many, many times as well on here. It just strikes me as really interesting. And it strikes me as interesting that I have such a strong reaction against this because I go into it with this really open mindset that I want to find music that I like. Mm. And Spotify, based on an algorithm, should know what I already listened to, should be serving me unknown artists based on that, thinking what you know what they think i would like Mm -hmm. now i don't go listening to the bare naked ladies fair enough that's not on my spotify rotation so it probably looks at various factors and goes oh this is something that this person might be interested in but it was such a prolific song as you've just pointed out so the fact that it thinks that i need to discover it just fascinates me discovery in that context that like this is something that you lady song i would send you to i would yeah. i would i would get a playlist from bethany who actually loves the band in their entirety i would find the person mm. who loves them and then have them curate i'm, I'm going off on a tangent I'll... yeah go ahead sorry but yeah i just terming di- that discovery just fascinates me because it implies that it's something new that i am completely discovering for the first time something that i'm not aware of and yet there's no way for an algorithm to know what I do and don't know, what my context is, what my broader life is. Like, it only knows what I've been listening to in the time that I've had Spotify, which is what, since 2012, yeah. probably? It doesn't know what was popular when I was growing up or what was maybe on the station, radio stations that I would listen to a lot or how my parents had that one CD or tape, probably it was, that I would deem my car sick tape because the songs... That I, if I still hear those songs, I still become car sick at the oh, thought no. of them because they always played them on road trips including barracuda by heart <gasps> oh, so it's just really <laughs> that's a shame what a great song that is it's a great song yeah and i just always feel vaguely car sick when i hear it oh, no. so i don't know what the 
what the point of that sort of discovery is. Like, I would love to know if anyone listens to the weekly discovery pod playlist by Spotify and actually discover new songs, because I think they also have a playlist called Release Radar, where they play songs by bands that are new, new songs coming out, new mm. bands coming out, new releases by old artists. Sometimes that those are reissues. Yeah. But a lot of the times it's just new music. And I think that, in a way, is a better way of discovery than necessarily trying to anticipate what people may or may not know. And I think that's just something to keep in mind when we think about discovery, because often when I have conversations with people or people talk to me, you'll raise an issue like it's the first time you've heard about it. You'll be like, oh my gosh, this thing. And someone will go, yeah, of course, this thing. And I controversially have had many conversations this week about Israel and the situation there. And like, it turns out a lot of people don't really know about that whole situation. We're just not educated about that down here, right? And the interpreties, it's not something that really comes up. So the world politics around it, it can be really confronting to look at it overall in the whole yeah. But I've had a I've had a lot of people be <laughs> I've had a lot of people come to me and relay information to me that they've obviously just discovered like it's brand new information to me and I'm like, "Yeah, I am aware of this." So it's just being conscious that everyone's discovery is different and just because you've discovered something doesn't necessarily mean that other people aren't aware of it and always to sort of be I guess mindful of imposing your own learnings on other people because you don't know their context. So that was a very rambly story inspired by spotify not brought to you by spotify if they want to sponsor us they should email they definitely should we officially have somebody who listens to our podcast on the regular and i know that because i spoke to her for hours this morning oh cute oh my gosh i'm looking at my discover weekly and like there's stuff on here that i've had in playlists for ages you see it should just know better i think this like it should just know better as if i don't love julian baker as if i wasn't there from the ep in the beginning come on guys It's just sort of insulting that it thinks I need to discover these things. Yeah. But then that probably says more about my ego. And maybe there's an element of like, if you're discovering something, you need to be open and you need to leave your ego at the door to be open to receiving information. Yeah. So maybe there's something in that. Makes you think about how I used to commit to music. I used to really commit to it. I, I worked in a... Well, it was a record store, and now it is not a record store because CDs don't exist. But um, my first job in Australia was at JB Hi-Fi. Classic. Yep. But I used to buy an album every week. Like, this was part of Mm. my... Like, I would go in and buy a CD, and I would be going in blind sometimes. Like, I would get a recommendation from the head of music, and she was very terrifying. Her name was Caitlin, but she would often be like, no, you should listen to these guys, or listen to this, or uh, do that. And then if I didn't have, like, a CD that I wanted to buy... I would ask my friends on Live Journal, which was a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's how I got into like the Mountain Goats. My friend Maggie in Canada, my I like to joke she's one of my Canadian girlfriends. She sent me a CD all the way from Canada that I put in my car and that was the first time I'd ever heard the Mountain Goats. So stuff like that. Like you get these recommendations and like I loved doing it organically, but I also loved just being like, I'm committing to this, a new album a week. Yeah. And sometimes you would just buy things never having heard of the artist, mm. never having heard of the band, the, the the album, any of the songs, you'll just look at the cover and be like, yeah, all right. You'll see it on the shelves at JB Hi-Fi. Someone might have like started or it would have been pulled out. So you're yeah. like, sure. I bought the first 30 Seconds to Mars album, Sight Unseen, like that. Like it was a Japanese import. I didn't know. This was before I knew Jared Leto was in the band. It was mm. before The Kill was big. I just bought it because it looked cool. And then it became a thing later. And I was like, ah, I already have this album. How interesting. The (laughs) amount of good opening acts that I fell in love with from gigs. Like, I I appreciate going to the opening act, often because I like leaving the actual show early. I get bored. Um, But sometimes the opener does something really incredible. And you're like, oh, I wish. How did I not know? Um, Mm. So many good, so many good things. I think the other one I wanted to point out is I fell in love with the decemberists because my friend lewick sent me red right ankle yeah great song and it wasn't the one for me but like right after that picaresque came out and that is such a rollicking good time of an album that oh have you got cats doing stuff they're being psychotic but never mind <laughs> um yeah it's a great album yeah it's just like moving on from one point and sometimes you do need that like inroad of discovery right you need that one little nudge into a different area to kind of go oh, I think I like this. And I mean, that 
same person, Lewix, got me into Gillian Welch, which got me into mm. Ryan Adams, which I know he's a dirtbag, but like his older albums, especially the alt country, they are like lie on the floor and cry into your yeah yeah into the floorboards kind of emotional which is what you need when you're in your early 20s you just everybody needs to have an album that they can just weep to and also the discovery of listening to a whole album right and just sometimes the song you loved was not the single and no one else knows the song no one else loves that song but for some reason you think that it's the best song they've ever done there's so many albums so many bands where i have this random song that i'm just really fixated on that other people just aren't aware of and i don't think we listen to music like that anymore no i miss the album as a concept yeah, I mean, this we could just honestly talk music all the time. I know. <laughs> I, I Welcome like, to the music podcast. <laughs> let's do it. I'm here for it. I, yeah, I I love I love anything epic. I love anything that tells a story. I love a through composed song. This is why Joanna Newsom is like constantly on loop. I mean, my husband does not love Joanna Newsom, but that's okay. I have headphones. It's just I really like having that attention and that time and I think giving that to the artist who puts it together in a specific mm. way that's really respectful it's a, it's a sacred ritual as sacred as reading yeah that's I agree really beautiful yeah. well thank you for telling your story about discovery and uh, Spotify get it together you guys have bajillions of dollars I know you're not paying your artists what are you doing with all of that money great question not inve- like yeah not refining the algorithm that's for sure <laughs> step it up people uh, pro tip I did just hear that if you have Spotify Premium. Apparently, you get your audiobooks now. Comped, possibly? You oh, were paying for them, but apparently now you get them for cheaper. This was just a rumor that I heard. I have no idea if it's true, so I guess I will suss that out and see if it is. Should I cool. read our chapter summaries? Please do. Okay. Adam and Ronan go to Caveswater to get Orphan Girl. When they arrive, the forest is scary and murky and struggling. While walking to find Orphan Girl, Adam finally asks all the right questions and discovers that Ronan manifested Caveswater, dreaming it back into this earthly plane of existence, which raises lots of questions about who Adam is beholden to, if anyone. They do find Orphan Girl, but Ronan has to dive into a pool of acid to save her, and Adam rescues them both. Meanwhile, Blue and Gansey head back to Foxway, only to find the entire house dark and buzzing and terrifying. Noah becomes possessed and tries to dig out Blue's eye. Gansey's intention and her battery power are the only things that save them. Piper Greenmantle, in Caveswater, uses her new friend, the demon, to casually murder her ex, Colin, while her new offsider, Neve, counsels against this. Mm. So, this is a really short section because the chapters were really short, but like also everything happens so much right here. Yeah, it's also very creepy. It's a very creepy section. Like, that yeah. blue Gansey chapter is intensely horror-coded. I read it in the book, and I was like, I'm just going to have to wait until I'm not walking around my house in the dark to listen to it. Because <laughs> so, mm. like, I was doing a lot of late-night sewing, and I was like, this is not good for me to listen to in the dark with with nobody else awake. So I haven't listened to it this week yet. <laughs> just, it's just a bit too confronting. Um, I think there's a lot in the way that Adam is kind of piecing together the truth about Caveswater Mm. and the way that Ronan is like impatient for him to just ask the question like the way that Adam is so careful like he wants to connect everything elegantly he wants to do it properly Um, but Ronan's like no just get in there be messy just connect it just discover it already I thought that was something really interesting they're different ways of, of approaching problems yeah, I agree. And I think it's interesting that for Adam, making connections is a means of discovery. Like, he's discovering things, he's unpacking things as he makes connections. Yeah, he's headlights on, looking at the next step. Yeah, and it, it really interests me that Ronan, as we've seen throughout the series so far, he is very much like, I don't lie. But there are a lot of truths that he doesn't disclose until someone specifically asks for them. He's like, yeah. it's not lying if I never address it. Yeah, and there's also, I mean, sometimes you just... You don't, ha- you don't owe everybody your life story, which I think is Ronan's, like, motto. That's probably what his tattoo actually means. Um, but, but there's also this way of, like, not even owning up to things himself. So he's discovering things about himself as he's existing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I that, think that is one, yeah. That Sorry, really comes on. through when he talks about how he didn't, like, because he, he says, yes, Cabe's Water, I did dream it, but, like, always I have. But, like, it's not mine. I didn't invent it. I didn't create it. I just manifested it. Like, it takes them a really long time to understand 
the entirety of it. Like the, the discovery is there, but the connections all come after for him. Whereas Adam is, as you say, the reverse, like he's connecting and then discovering. So he's putting things yeah. together and seeing it. Whereas Ronan is walking in and being like, what, what, what? Like Adam's yeah. building the buildings and Ronan walks into it and then has to figure out how it's been made. Yeah, Ronan makes the discovery as part of the process, right? Like mm. it's he is discovering the truth about himself as he goes. Whereas I feel like Adam does a lot of that introspection, trying to like puzzle things out before he commits to anything. Yeah, he's a very observing person. He observes and then decides. He's judgmental, but he feels like he's had a cause to be judgmental through observation. I do feel like they're discovering things about each other as well in this section, though. Yes. Like, they're still, they're still learning, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, Adam has that beautiful line where he said, no, no wonder Ronan was all right with Adam being uncanny. No wonder he needed him to be because of that, that connection that Ronan just longs for that connection, yeah. right? And for Adam to be different as well is really important to him. And then I think Ronan is so quick to say, no, 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 you aren't beholden to me because he, he mm. understands that autonomy is one of the most important things to Adam. And if this was the case, if he was tied to Ronan in this way and Ronan hadn't disclosed it, I think there would have been no coming back from that. Yeah, him. absolutely. And that's, I think that's partly why Ronan's so angry about having to, I guess, own up to this, connection right he's so angry about it because he wants adam to just ask the hard questions and get it over with like rip off the band-aid or i don't know pick up the scab or whatever and then he's impatient because adam's taking a while to process (laughs) it and he's (laughs) like oh and adam is really good in that moment like he's not getting fired up he's like well how long did it take you to process it and he's like i'm still processing it yeah because you know i think you can believe if you believe that you're a human how do you accept your eldritch beingness yeah and I think Adam was really mature in that moment as well where he was just like digesting I thought that was very good like I think Adam has just come such a long way from book one it's really just beautiful it is it is oh and look this is a this is sort of like all of the chapters where we get a whole bunch of conflict and just a casual murder um and but the thing I really think about is like how even though Ronan and Adam have had this like night trying to find a demon. They find the wrong devil. They go and find Cabeswater in crisis. They're trying to get Orphan Girl out of there. And then Blue has this awful experience where Noah is possessed by the demon and is like mm-hmm. trying to dig out her eye. At the end of that, despite the fact that Adam and Ronan, I mean, we haven't got to the section yet, but I will flag that Adam and Ronan immediately go to the urgent care where Blue is like their fight is completely set aside. And that's something I think that Adam would have really struggled with three books ago, letting go of that anger in order to turn up for his friends. I think he would have really hated having to do that. But now he's just like, of course, it's not important. Like, we can fight about it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very good at being like, it doesn't consume him the way that it used to. Mm -hmm. Because even in Mm -hmm. this moment, like, they're having this kind of conflict and then he's immediately, he's immediately switching into, okay, I've got to save, I've got to help Ronan, I've got to save Ronan and help him with this thing. and. Orphan girl has this connection with Adam as well. Like she can read his state of mind basically, yeah. and and she yeah. kisses his hand, his other hand, the one that's still his. Oh my gosh, that was such a tender moment. <laughs> I get caught yeah. up in the tender moments. All of the sections are tender, and in different ways. Like the horror of this, these events are really offset by like a lot of quiet calmness. Hmm. I have to say the mood is very eerie. Yeah, and I think that moment of discovery for Blue and Gansey as well, coming to Fox Way and then just finding everything dark and grim and then seeing Orla and she's not in control of herself either and she has this really emotional response where it's described as like she's looking at something inside herself, right? And then discovering that something is possessing Noah and then having to make the connections. And I think there's so much connection here. They're relying on their connection to this magical other to save them like Ronan relies on Caveswater responding to him Adam relies on his link to the ley line in order to be able to save people Blue relies on the magic to shield her from this horror and then Gansey you know he's starting to rely on this kind of speaking power that he has to try and change things but he needs just really interesting to to make it like he needs Blue to manifest it for him and even Neve like she is connected she's connected to magic in a way and that's what she's trying to use to make to get Piper on side yeah, or at least just to mitigate some of the enormous harm that Piper is very casually doing. Yeah, that cracks me up. I love that 
Colin tries to connect to Piper through this superficial thing. Like he's like, oh, these are things she'll like. And she similarly, Piper is trying to connect with her father by doing things that she thinks he'll approve of, like killing Colin. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, actually. I, I I had a slightly different edge to that, I think, or I had a slightly different read on that. I thought it was interesting that there's a line that the Green Mantles um, liked collecting things or liked owning things that other people had possessed before. Mm, yeah, um, at the start of the chapter, yep. Yeah. I need to find that because I want to talk about that. Um, okay, page 180. The Green Mantles always prefer to possess things that used to be someone else's. And I think about this, like Colin Green Mantle married Piper Lemonnier, right? So they're, like mm-hmm. he has, he's possessing something that belonged to somebody else. I mean, I guess if you think about it that way, that kind of tracks. But then he's never really had her. He has never really had her. And he's been trying to like get her with all of these things. And she was never gettable. Mm. Which is really fascinating, especially if you think about how ultimately it was failing to get Ronan or the, the Grey Warren. He was also never able to get his own wife. But also I kind of love that like he's really devastated that she's gone. Like he's kind of a wife guy. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Me up a bit. I was like, am I feeling a little bit sorry for him? I kind of am. <laughs> he is a bit sad in that moment. Like it's on my tangential when he talks about, where is it? Page 181. He mm. wished there was someone here to see just how aesthetically pathetic and desperate he looked. <laughs> like he's such. He does it for the vine. <laughs> he really does. Like he just, he's an influencer in the uh, criminal underworld. Yeah. I, it's so, he's so funny. They're both so vain and so terrible. Um, I like that Neve is kind of stuck with, Piper and this demon and she knows it and she can't really do anything about it but she's choosing to help mitigate that harm which I think is kind of the only thing she can do I have a kind of metaphysical meta I don't know question about Mm. Colin Greenmantle and these things he collects like he talks about having a unicorn the size of a pony right yeah and in the previous section with Le Mournier they talked about how it was so annoying that Colin killed Niall because Niall was so useful at procuring things. Because obviously Niall just dreams whatever these people want. Yeah. He was just dreaming things into existence. Which begs the question, do these things even exist? Or is Niall just creating them? Like people being like, oh yeah, unicorns are real. They're not real. Niall has just made them real. But then does that mean they are real? Because Niall, like, you know what I mean? I kind of love this. What a fantastic window into explaining a lot of things in mythology. I mean, a taxidermied unicorn... That would legit be something, because it wouldn't be alive. Well, it would be asleep, but it wouldn't be, like, awake if it no, were a creation no. of Niles. So that makes sense. I kind of think, yeah, a lot of that stuff probably is dreamware. Because that not that like the, the, the sword dripping blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't, you don't need a dreamer to be awake for that stuff to exist, because it's not living. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, like, if you... I'm sure there are people who go around being like, magic is real, like the fairy market, all that stuff you learn about later being like, yeah, 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 this magical underworld, but it's all populated by things that people are just dreaming up, which, you know, begs the question, what is real? What is reality? Yeah. Are the tree people real or were they dreamed up as well? Or are they from the same place that Caveswater is? Questions. Yeah. Questions. Many. Answers. Few. I love it. That is a great uh, ponder gonna think about that nothing is real everything is fictional ronan dreamed it all the end this is how reality works nothing is real nothing matters nihilism yay yay (laughs) but the fun kind exactly i love that ronan there's this implication that ronan uses cabe's water as a means for discovery because he sort of dreams better when he's in cabe's water right and like orphan Mm -hmm. girl all these these things that help him Yeah, yeah yeah that help him discover more about himself Mm. I like that and I like also that the revelation of the capacity to dream something like Cabe's Water changes Ronan in Adam's estimation like he says it shouldn't but it does Mm. it it adds more dimension to him which I, I know we touched on you touched on already but I just think that's really interesting I feel like no matter how well you know someone you're always going to find a new thing out about them yeah there's always something left to discover which is such a nice thing like it's nice to not be worried that you've plundered the depths of a person there's no way ever to there's always something left to discover yeah we are vast we contain multitudes right? that's right Walt Whitman was on to something I want to talk about um what Ronan 
thinks about when he is pretty convinced he's about to die. This one kills me because he's like literally diving into a pool of acid to save orphan girl. And the only thing he can think about as he's swimming through acid is that if he dies, his brother will stop mm. being awake. Like he's literally trying to save two people at once. But he's like so far down that that list of people who matter. It just kills me. I love one hectic rat bag who only cares about his baby brother. Yeah. I think there's something really profound about like how will my existence ceasing affect the people around me. I think you can discover a lot about yourself when you're in mortal peril. Yeah. Like who does this impact? What effects will this have? Like it's the ripple effect, right? Like if you're yeah. you're the stone being thrown in the pond, what are the ripples going out from you? Yeah, exactly. Which I love. I like I love connection as responsibility and I feel like Ronan feels so responsible for his dream things, even though he's such a hectic individual and he claims to not care about things and he claims to not want responsibility and all these things he feels such an innate responsibility that really comes through in those moments of crises yeah like calling matthew in the middle of the night to make sure he's in bed and okay and diving in after orphan girl even though it's acid yeah but adam saved him because of course adam did adam will always save him adam yeah, four for you, Adam. You win. You win the section. <laughs> Adam yeah. and Gansey win the section, I think. We have to give a shout out to Ronan as well, somehow, in his youth discovering the force that is caves water and being like, yeah, whatever, I'll give you a physical form. I'll help you out. <laughs> Here you go. Why not? Sure. Have a forest. If I could give my dreams a place to live in real life, I would. Mm-hmm. I kind of think Neve is great at making some connections in this as well because she's mm-hmm. already made the connection that Cable, Caveswater and the Ley Line and the Unmaker, you know, they're all drawing on the, like, well, Caveswater and the Unmaker are drawing on the Ley Line as a power source, right? Yeah. So she's she's interpreting these signs from Caveswater that, oh, doesn't like the demon. Well, and I love that, that she says... You can't unmake stuff using this creative... You can't do that in this place because it will revolt against it. Yeah, I love that she says that on page 185. The forest is reacting to being used to kill. Yeah, because it can be, it can seem that this place is about creation. And so Mm. any step you take that is opposite to that will cause this kind of spiritual quake because it's the antithesis of what it's there for. It's supposed to be making things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I have some things for connection. I like the immediate drawing of difference between Ronan and Caveswater and Adam of the ley line. It's a nice little dichotomy we get where on page 158, for Ronan, it was merely moving around enough for the trees to see that he was among them. They would do their best to do what he wanted, which included not letting anything supernatural murder him. Whereas with Adam, it meant linking into the ley line that pulsed beneath the forest, unwrapping himself and allowing the bigger pattern inside. It was a process that was both eerie and awesome to watch from the outside. Mm. Adam, then Adam vacated, then Adam more. So it's two different things. Like, Ronan always gets to be himself, but Adam has to, like, fully leave the premises in order to link in. I thought that was a really interesting bit of difference in their varying connections to Caveswater. Made me think of the Matrix, because you know how they have mm-hmm. to be plugged in when they go in to, like, explore. Yeah. And this idea that Neo doesn't have to do that because he's the chosen one, right? So he can just come and go and do whatever he wants. Of course he can. He's Keanu Reeves. And John Wick. He can do all of well, it. <laughs> John Wick. So Sophia, <laughs> tangent, but Sophie and I are watching John Wick for the first time. We watched the first two back to back, watched the third one last week, Amazing. waiting for the fourth one to come out onto streaming. There is no dialogue in those films. It's great. You know? I love it. <laughs> there are 362 line, like words, apparently, in Keanu Reeves' dialogue in John Wick 4. Like, that's nothing. It's great. I'm here for it. It's just, you don't even have to be, you don't have to, you just sit there, eat popcorn, watch him kick the crap out of everyone. It is a delight. I really want to see a cut that is just the dialogue with it, with the fight scenes removed, because I think it'll be like half an hour for all four of them. That would be amazing. Come also, on, YouTube, like, someone do this. In the third film, when he's using a horse in a fight scene, I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Anyway, it's a great time. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. It's beautifully lit. Like, the lighting in it is amazing. Yeah, you can actually see what's happening, which is great. That never happens anymore in action Mm. movies. I'm old. I gotta see, man. 
Especially because all of it takes place at night. I will say the most unbelievable thing about John Wick is that every third person in New York is apparently an assassin. I don't think there's enough work to sustain that many assassins. Just putting it out there. Nah, New York is pretty big. It does seem like a lot of assassins. Maybe there's like assassin con happening. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, tangent. (laughs) How do we get there? From the Matrix. From being plugged into Cave's water. Yeah, having to go through the motions yeah mm. well for, for yeah and i think it comes back to what we were saying before what you were saying before about adam taking step like he's cautious he waits to understand whereas ronan leaps mm. so ronan is just always himself like he can just be himself in caves water but for adam there's a, a a moment of having to let go like he has to relinquish control which is yeah the ultimate sacrifice for him really yeah but he's doing so well and i'm so proud of him good yeah. job adam and Ronan's being vulnerable, which is literally the worst, and I really feel for him this time. So good job, Ronan. Um, one last thing for connection. Uh, Piper discovering that getting a favor and being favored are different on page 185. Mm. It turned out, though, that a favor was a one-time thing and favoring was forever. Well, that doesn't seem like the kind of thing you want to have. Like, I would not want to be favored by a demon. That just does not seem like a good idea. I'm with Neve on this one. I don't often agree with her. She's a bit weird, but... uh. Not a fun Yeah. Way. I thought it was very smart but rich coming from Neve when she says, I don't think it's wise to pee yourself with a demon. They are inherently subtractive <laughs> rather than additive. They take yeah. more than they give. Like, yeah, right. But also, you're saying this? Like, yeah. Mm, the yeah, cause yeah. of and solution to all of our problems. Yeah. If she hadn't been poking around trying to, I don't know, ambition herself into a better career as a psychic, just be mm. happy with what you're doing, man. You don't need to be more famous. It's okay. Yeah. Just go do some lottery numbers, get rich, and be comfortable, man. The dream. The dream. That's what I would do if I were psychic. I would 100% be like, here is my lottery ticket. <laughs> then I would buy them for my friends. <laughs> um, Did you have anything else for connection or um, discovery? No, that was it. I do have a couple of tangentials, though. Right, I don't know why... Do I found it so cute that on page 159, when Adam says, are you done with Grey Warren business? Adam asked. And then Ronan says, that's ongoing. I don't know why I thought that was very cute, but I did. I'm like, adorable. Um, Really, really grim, creepy, grim, grim, creepy, sad. When on page 173, Blue says, she had half a thought that they were the last two people left in the world. She would step into the living room and find nothing but bodies. Like, you know, that was really grim. That is a scary feeling. It's like when you come home and you expect people to be home and no one's home and you're like, where did everyone go? Are you all dead? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like once when I walked into the office and there was only like two people on the floor. This was in our old office. And I was like, did everyone get raptured? <laughs> Which cracked everyone up that was there, like the two people, because the only other person who was there was my manager who was super religious. So the implication that everyone but him got raptured really cracked people up. <laughs> That's a great line. Um, Yeah, and I'm just going to say, preach to Adam for finally recognizing that, yeah, Ronan has no business being in school. Page 164. (laughs) No wonder his Aglandy uniform had choked him. No wonder his father had sworn him to secrecy. No wonder that he could not make himself focus on his classes. Yes, correct. Finally. Validation. (laughs) I have that down in says tangential as well, and I wrote, okay, fine. I won't argue. Yeah. Okay. I keep, I just think because it was, I was really interrogating this about myself, like why it bothers me so much. And I think because it was a really big deal to my parents that I finished school. Like my mom didn't get the chance to, she got married in high school and had to do her GED when I was a little kid. And that like really bothered her. So she made me promise to go to like to finish high school and she made me promise to go to university. And I did, like I did. And it's weird because I wouldn't put those I wouldn't put those pressures on my own kids. Like, I want them to enjoy school, but if they need to take a break or pause or do TAFE instead, fine, that's great. We'll make it work. But, like, for Mm. this one fictional character, I was like, why is this bothering me so much? I really had to think about it, but yeah. Because you're Gansey. (laughs) Because I'm Gansey, and I believe that it it is good to have as many fail-safes and safeguards as you can. And that is one fail-safe. No one can take your education from you. You have earned it. Or you got a building for it. Who knows? What other challenge did you have? Um, I love this particular line 
of Piper's where she says, are you harmful to the environment? Mm. And then she goes on to ruminate that she's always been attentive to her carbon footprint. It seemed pointless to have spent two decades recycling if she was just going to destroy an, an entire ecosystem. It's literally a demon. It literally just killed your ex. Like, I think that it is harmful to the environment naturally. I think by nature it's harmful to the environment. Like, I love that the demon is kind of like, eh, shrug, I'm going to unmake everything anyway, so what ifs? I know, it's just very, um, yeah. And like she gets a sense of relief from someone else making this bad decision. I'm like, no, you can back off now. You can say, okay, I don't want to make that bad decision with you. Mm. Like, I know she's going to try and divest herself of it, but it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, did you have a an in-depth marginalia? I sure do. So my in the film page 166 and it is the section when Ronan and Adam have gone into the forest to try and find Orphan Girl and Ronan has just explained to Adam that he manifested caves water and Adam is having a bit of a trouble accommodating it and then the ley line sort of starts shuddering underneath them and dropping out. And then it says, Ronan eyed Adam, assessing his status, correctly seeing that Adam was feeling like he needed to kneel in his apartment with his hands over his head and think about what he had just learned. He said, how about just once more? <laughs> so I think this relates to the theme of discovery because it takes it takes something for Ronan to look at Adam and like actually pause and think, what is the status of Adam here in this moment? Like, what is his emotional capability? What is the yeah. context? Like, what can we actually achieve in this moment? And there's also connection there because you need to be fairly well connected with someone in order to assess their emotions like this to be able to read them like this, right? Yeah. I think this is so important to always be aware of this because it just reminds me of when we had a work event a couple of months ago and as a f- my friend went and like a lot of these people at work are massive introverts. I myself am a huge introvert, but we're talking real, real like geeky level of introverts. Like I can turn it on when I need to, but people really struggle. And one of my friends was really, really overwhelmed in this, in this situation and didn't really want to be there. And I Mm. picked up on the fact that she was sort of folding in on herself and I'm like, Hey, do you just want to go? We can just go. We don't have to stay here. Right. Like we can just leave. And I just think, it's so important to be able to read people's signals and to appreciate that not everyone's going to react in an environment the way that you necessarily want them to react. And it's the biggest kindness you can give to people to allow them an out. And it made me think as well, like one, when I was with my ex, he took me to a work event, like with his workmates. And then he sort of just abandoned me there and I was really uncomfortable And he made no effort to talk to anyone or to be social. And so I felt really awkward and weird and he was being awkward and weird. And there was like no way to like bridge that because usually when I take people to my work events and when I took him to my work events, I would be really social with him. I would introduce him to people. I would do the talking. I wouldn't like just stand next to him and expect him to do anything. And I felt like that's what he did to me. And it made me so uncomfortable. And I think it really impacted my ability to engage with his colleagues and his friends but also made me not want to go to anything with him again because I just anticipated that happening again so I really appreciate that Ronan is like taking a moment to look at Adam in this section and just be like okay this is what he needs like I'm not going to force him I'm not going to like do this reckless thing which he probably would have gone in further and just cracked Mm. on but he recognizes that Adam has a certain need here and he's going to accommodate that and I think going forward Look to your loved ones, appreciate what they need, and also communicate your own needs. But it's like the biggest kindness you can give people, especially if they're in comfortable situations, to just give them that out and reach for them and just yeah. see that, just see them. Just to be seen yeah. is so important. Oh, yeah. I love that. Thank you. That is a great reminder and something that I work on daily, as well as I think I know my kids and my partner. Sometimes I get a bit in my head and I think I know what they're going to do, but they're not there. But like, mm. it's not like my prediction was incorrect overall, but it was like incorrect for the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a good reminder too. like, just actually take the time to see where things are. Yeah. Actually discover. What was your index? Uh, so mine was on page 159 and it was when they're just popping into Cave's Water to see about Orphan Girl and Ronan was sort of like, oh, okay, this is a... This is like a nightmare, but that's okay. I know how to survive a nightmare. Um, But it's not a nightmare. It's real life, and Cave's water is very sick, and he's kind of figuring out how to deal with the reality of that. So, page 159. The key was to learn what rules and fears they were playing off of as quickly as possible and lean into them. 
So we know that Ronan's connection to Capeswater is further explored and discussed in the section. And when he reveals to Adam that he manifested it in, in its current form through dreaming, like that's a big moment. But I want to specifically focus on Ronan's like connection to his nightmares here because he has so many of them. He has to be really self-aware and very sensitive to what he's afraid of. And it's really important that he survives them because he has like dependents, right? Like his brother is somebody that he dreamed to life and he's the custodian of this forest mm. so he has to constantly connect to his fears and then he has to discover the rules of these nightmares in order to play by the rules so that he can survive and so i mean in the real world in our world in my world it reminds me of like a, a much more extreme version of social cues and i don't want to mm. be the kind of person who complains about how like lockdown was terrible I loved being at home. I loved being at home with my family. I loved being at home with my family in pajamas. It was great. Like that part of it was like the whole people dying en masse was pretty terrible. Mm. Um, but the one thing I really did notice is that my kids lost a lot of ground in terms of socializing with the outside world. Like I'm having to teach them how to politely order things at cafes and how to pay and stuff. And they don't know the rules and they're like old for this. They're 10 and 12 and that's just like they should know this by sort of seven, eight. And they like, I just feel like they're they're not quite there, right? So last week my daughter was too anxious about going inside the cafe to look at the pastries and choose a treat, and that might be anxiety, but I think a lot of it was just not knowing that you could go inside the cafe to look at pastries, and then come back out and decide, you know? Mm. And I really had to school myself not to jump up and solve it for her, but instead like kind of guide her to some things that you could do, like oh maybe you could ask the waitress, or maybe you could um order something you know would be there. Or maybe you could just ask for a recommendation. And I know it seems really silly to put these two things together, like Ronan trying to map out how to survive a nightmare versus my daughter only ordering a cookie because she wasn't sure if there was a meringue or not. But if you don't know the rules, it can be really hard to make the connections that you need to actually move forward. And that's the step we fall down on a lot of the time, the where to start step. It seems really simple, but there's a lot there. And not knowing the rules can make it hard to start. So going forward... Yeah. I want to remember to be gentle with myself and others who are still navigating the discovery of those rules and norms. And just remember, we don't get a guidebook. I still haven't gotten my guidebook. Where is my life guidebook? But it's not mm. a minefield. Most of the time, we just have to act with compassion and politeness and remember we're not going to get it right. But like Ronan, we just need to pay attention and keep track of what we do know. And that is how we move forward. Yeah, that is lovely. This is interesting, hey, because Ronan, by nature, has to be incredibly self-aware. Like, he has to just go in and look, because if he doesn't... Yeah, it's life or death. Yeah, he needs to be aware, and he needs to know how to control it as well. He never stops to think, okay, but why? Why am I happy? Like, that's what Adam does. Like, Adam would be like, why? Whereas Ronan doesn't have time for why. He's just like, okay, we just got to deal with it. We just got to deal with what's in front of us, because it's it can what? actually murder me. Yeah. I was trying to understand... You know, after you sent me that screenshot yesterday and we were talking about Ronan while I was at work. And I'm like, why am I so obsessed with Ronan Lynch? What is it about this character that just is so important to me? And I think it is because he has these these really incredible beats about, like, growing up. Like, the, the self-awareness mm. thing. The having to do things even though they're scary. Like, kind of having to figure out things on your on his own. The way that you've just said, there is no guidebook. And I feel like Ronan really epitomizes a lot of that because he has no one to yeah. help him there's no one who can help him and, and i think we all feel different. like that yeah and even though we're all you know we, we share a human connection and we share a community and all these things i think we all feel alone in our feelings even knowing yeah. that other people are similar to us only you ever experience what you're experiencing in your own context it's just mm -hmm. you you're on your own with that and i think that's why he means so much to me mm, i love that you have mm. a connection with him. I do. It's quite annoying. <laughs> I was thinking I might get some snake scale tattoos because let's just get all the Ronan Lynch tattoos. <laughs> I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, did you have a character you'd like to spotlight this week? Uh, I mean, I hate that I'm doing this, but I'm going to spotlight Colin <laughs> Greenmantle. Wow. I know. I know. He's just really pathetic. Don't at me. Aww. I feel bad because he gets bugged to death. I mean, it's one thing to be dumped by your incredibly beautiful wife, but then to be murdered by her as well. It's just a little bit too much. She's really cruel about it as well. Like the whole final yeah. bit where she's just like, we're, we're through. I'm like, wow, Piper. <laughs> she's really mean. Jeez. <laughs> 
Shout out to Will Patton for his amazing um, vocal work because whenever he does her voice, she sounds well. He sounds like the most the epitome of the boredest, most uninterested person in the world, and it's great. Like he does a great job with his Piper Green Mantle voice. So amazing. <laughs> How about you? Who do you want to spotlight this week? Spotlighting my boy Ronan Yay. because he just dives into after Opal without even hesitating. He does mm. not stop. He does not blink. He's just like, yep, doing the thing. And then even when he's being eaten alive by the lake, he doesn't pull out. He doesn't stop. He's just committed. And I think there's something to be said for being that, feeling that responsible and that connected yeah. to the things that matter to you, that you're willing to do that. So shout out to my boy. I love him for that. I love him for so much, but I really love him for diving into a literal acid lake in order to get Orphan Girl. Mm. Do you have any homework for our readers this week? Yeah, so I just started Sex Education Season 4. I'm on episode 4, and it's really, it's been great. Love it. Dan Levi's in it. Being mean about writing, which I don't (laughs) need in my current mindset, but that's fine, Dan. We'll allow it because you're a delight. Um, Yeah, so really enjoying it. Love Sex Education. The sex education house was for sale recently. What? We should have bought it. Oh, it was a couple million pounds, but I Mm. looked at it and I was like, I really like this house. I really like that house. I'll see if I can find the link to it um, just to send you the pictures because they were gorgeous. Yeah, I bet. Um, Do you have homework? Yeah, I finally picked up my copy of Fat Talked by Virginia Soul Smith, and it is about parenting in the age of diet culture, and it has been really revelatory. I like Virginia Soul Smith's work. She does a substack mm. called Burnt Toast, which is pretty great. Um, but yeah, I think this is really good because it's unpicking a lot of diet culture stuff, and I'm filled with rage again and again at how absolutely crappy our society is at actually helping people to feel good in their bodies and enjoy their lives because being thin is not moral and being healthy is not moral and like thin people are not automatically healthier and it makes me crazy so this is a great and incredible work great text loving it so far highly recommend it great that sounds good i'll check that out well next week we're reading chapters 27 to 33 through the theme of bravery which should be fun we can do this it'll be hard but we'll get there yeah Well, thank you for potting with me. This was super fun. Super fun as always. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, look forward to more chats. All right. See you soon. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Marginalia Pod is written, edited, and produced by us, Gen D and Gen V. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to hello at marginaliapod.com. Check out our Instagram or maybe dash off a quick review. You can also subscribe so you never miss an episode. Our music is by Scott Buckley and the logo artwork is by Laura Cato. You can find detailed show notes for each episode and much more at our website www.marginaliapod.com. Special thanks to all the people in our various communities whose love and care sustains us. Without your support we would be very sad little critters. We appreciate you. And to you, our wonderful listeners, thanks again for being here. We love spending this time with you. 